So I'm here with uh, Alex Vela. And yes. for how you doing, Alex? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Now, for many Good. of you, uh, Alex will need no introduction. You already know her from Instagram, from her being co-host of the Aquascaping Type podcast. Yeah. Um, and very active. If you've ever been to an Aquashella, you've probably seen or talked to Alex as well. Uh, always very active there in the Owaza booth and uh, just in all over, really. So, uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like your, what, your fourth guest? That feels like insane to me, but no, yeah. Number five, but so yeah, they're in, the, they're in the top five. 10. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for choosing me. Yeah. I'm so, so to, to be on. Well, thank you. Um, so Alex, the reason I was most intrigued, I think, to, uh, to bring you on today is, um, I know a little bit of your story of just kind of how you got into aquascaping. And, um, I think it's one that it just, it resonates with a lot of people, uh, or I find that a lot of people come to the aquarium hobby by sort of a similar path or journey, um, so t tell us about how you uh, got into aquascaping and uh, why it means so much to you. Yeah, so I got into aquascaping, I think it was almost three years ago now. I mean, I had always had aquariums and I started with saltwater tanks, I would say like 10 years ago, but um, aquascaping came to me about three years ago. So it, it was kind of a long, journey and a long research process but um, when my dad passed away I was struggling a lot with my mental health sorry my cat is going crazy I think okay. he sees another cat my, my dogs will start barking soon <laughs> as well so it's, it's fine <laughs> so um, yeah so when my dad passed away I was struggling a lot with my mental health and I was having like a lot of complex grief because there was just a lot of complications around his death and he had like stage four cancer and he was in the hospital for quite a long time and I was his pretty much full-time caregiver for a while after that so I kind of felt like I had lost my purpose and um, because being his caregiver kind of became my purpose for a little bit and um, I was kind of looking for a way to manage my grief and I had actually worked at a meditation company. And so for a while there, I had done traditional forms of meditation. It was called Muse and it was like a meditation headband. So it's actually like partnered with neuroscience and it tracks your brain waves and kind of tells you if like you're meditating correctly or if you're getting into like a focus state or a flow state. Um, but I wasn't able to. and. And I was like, I had a lot of anxieties, I had a lot of trouble concentrating and a lot of time with like intrusive thoughts around my father's death and just other things in general, like other, you know, things that were going on in my life at the time. And I felt like I wasn't able to cope. So I, and I always found joy in my reef tanks, but to me, a reef tank isn't the same as a planted aquarium, whereas like it doesn't feel as artistic and I'm a very creative person and 
you know, my job is a motion designer and I've always been into animation and I've always been into graphic design. So I felt like this was an extension of like art to me. And so I, when I started aquascaping, I was using it as an escape. I was using it as a form of meditation and I was using it kind of, yeah, as a way to have my artistic brain kind of enter that flow state, which I wasn't able to do during meditation. And I found that it, it really did help with my grief and it gave me a new sense of purpose. And I found that it helped calm me. And, um, and I wanted to share that with people. So pretty immediately while starting aquascaping, I started my Instagram and I wanted to kind of share education with people. So I would make these little posts about like, you know, how to, how to tie your plants to your wood or whatever and like stuff like that so I always kind of I didn't feel like aquascaping was only art for me it was also like a way to connect with other people and educate other people and so kind of after that you know I started my YouTube channel and then you know my I met like people that people online and I started going to aquashellas and I started really kind of involving myself in the community in person because that's what I felt like I needed you know it was kind of through COVID that I was aquascaping so it felt very isolating so the moment I felt like I could leave my house and finally meet these people is exactly what I did so that's kind of when I met you it was one of my first trips uh, aquascaping. I went to Texas and I went to your store and yeah, um, that's, that's kind of the gist of it, but I mean, there's many <laughs> intricacies and, oh, sure. Sure. and little, little things that happened along the way. But yeah, that's kind of an overview of my journey, I would say. Yeah. You know, and I find it so it's, it's something I've spoken on before that the aquarium you know, it has this power and it's, it's really intrinsic. And I think we, you know, it's, it's well known, um, even to people that don't keep aquariums yet. It's a little bit, it's still maybe a bit un, untapped or kind of unexplored at depth in the hobby. You know, that's just this aspect for this, uh, this meditative quality, this whole thing where, Again, there's even actual scientific research, you know, the real empirical stuff where they show that just looking at an aquarium uh, lowers the heart rate, the blood pressure, the brainwave states, you know, um, all of this favorable feedback in this, this transaction that sort of happens without any real effort. I mean, you're just looking at something. Um, and yeah, I'm just always so, uh, it's, it's just, I love knowing that that's, that that's so real, you know, it has such a real impact on people's lives and their well being and, uh, the, the therapeutic dimension and just helping them recover from trauma and all that. I mean, to me, it, it uh, and it's, I'm sorry, it's sort of a question too, uh, that that really should be what we're maybe leading with or putting a little more emphasis on than uh, I think if that dimension got 
even half of the attention that say an aquascaping contest gets uh, in the mm. hobby. That would be that would be kind of cool. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, for that reason, I would love to visit Floresta Submersus because it's. I feel like that is where people use it for the meditative qualities, yeah. and 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 same with your store, like the gallery. Um, that was one of the main reasons actually that I wanted to start my own little gallery and little store was because um, I just, when you walk into your gallery, like you're hit with smells, you're hit with sounds, you're hit with a fully immersive experience. And, and that is what aquascaping was to me in a nutshell. Like I just, I just related to, to you and your gallery so much. Um, and and I 100% agree that it should be the first thing that we think about when we are aquascaping is the meditative qualities. Like, I'm not interested in water chemistry. I'm not interested in um, maintenance as much. I'm, I mean, maintenance can have its own meditative qualities, absolutely. But this, the looking at the art and the... Um, just being there with it and being present is is what speaks to me the most. Um, yeah, yeah. And even with the you know with the, with the gallery setting too. You know, foremost it is. It is attempting to be a business. Also, I mean, you know, it needs to sell some things to 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 operate, but uh, it just seemed like the most obvious thing, and I think it's kind of it speaks to what you're doing there with your, you know, let's just say more than one, uh, layout there in your house, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it starts to get a little more immersive or it, it's really just kind of focusing on the part that we want it for in the first place. In other words, nobody, nobody got an aquarium so that they could own a filter. Uh, they didn't, you don't get an aquarium, you don't get into aquascaping. You don't want to you don't keep fish so that you can tell your friends that you have a, a a tube that heats water or I have a lot of lights in my house already. I don't I don't need any more lights. You know, I didn't get it for another light. Um, so in other words, it's just a funny way of saying that to lead with the part that we really want it for is sort of the objective. And, uh, you know, and sure enough, that's the part that has the actual impact on our, on just our, our well-being on human well-being. And, um, yeah, it's just something, I guess, I think we would all, when we stop and think about it, love to see a little more leading with that, you know? So, and I think you've probably discovered that dimension in a big way there again, in your, in your own home, uh, it's been following your posts on Instagram, et cetera, for a long time. And you've really made quite a home studio, home gallery kind of space, which has been a trend. Also, I've seen so much more of that on social media, which I think is just just the coolest thing. Like, I'm just really into that. Uh, I kind of wish I could have one at home myself, but <laughs> I got to be honest, I come home sometimes and, and it's just a bit much uh, to also then continuing maintaining aquariums, you know. But um, yeah. yeah, so how many layouts how many total setups do you have in the house there now 
Eight. <laughs> I'm glad you don't keep an actual count. That's cool too. You just set I know, them up I just as had, needed. I had to look around. I, had yeah. to look around. Um, yeah. I have quite a few, and my apartment is 700 square feet. Okay. So it it's mostly is a gallery at this point. Then <laughs> it's mostly a gallery at this point. Like when you walk into my house, there are six or seven aquariums that you see right away, and it. I mean, I've paid very close attention with how I've like decorated my home and like the interior design of my home because it's so small. I feel like I, I really need to make everything an art piece and everything very cohesive because that's exactly what it is. It is a gallery. It's not just like, I can't have equipment out. Like everything is hidden away. Um, you, yeah, you can't see any of the equipment. It's all like strategically hidden because this is like the first thing you see when you walk into my house. So yeah, but I just can't stop. I've, <laughs> I've, I have so many of them and I, I cycle through them sometimes, but there are some that I become really attached to and, and that I've had for quite a long time. But yeah, I just, this has become such a passion for me. And again, such a source of meditation and calm and it's become a necessity in my life especially because I have bipolar disorder and there's a lot of different moods that I go through and it is like the way that I ground myself mm. so and it's all on display so you can tell what my mood is by looking at my aquariums and by the maintenance levels that I've had or whatever but yeah it's all it's all very very open to to everybody who walks in. Yeah. So I know you also, uh, at one point obviously became into this enough to, uh, start a podcast. Um, it's called the aquascaping type. And, um, you take a, you and Ryan take a little kind of a different approach on there too, which I think is cool. I, I like the back and forth, uh, sort of conversation that you guys have as part of the dialogue, it, it looks like a potentially a tricky editing situation, uh, to do. Yeah. <laughs> How do you guys do that tricky. exactly? <laughs> yeah. So we are on FaceTime together. I have an okay. AirPod in, he has an AirPod in, um, and we have a script written and we say it to each other. So we're talking to each other. And then I am filming on my side, he's filming on his side, and we kind of just cut back and forth with the two cameras. And okay, it, it so it is a conversation. Yeah, it is a conversation. Yeah, I think we're getting better at making it seem a bit more seamless. I think that'll right. just come with time. But yeah, it is a conversation, a scripted conversation most of the time. I think we want to do a little bit more like improv and and stuff as we get more comfortable on camera but yeah for now especially with like the interviews and stuff that we do it's all it's all pretty scripted but we have so much fun with it we've been doing it for about i want to say a year and two months now and yeah it's been it's been going pretty well we're trying to get a video out a week which is tough, tough. it's it very tough. tough sounds easy it's I got one video a week. I can do that. And then you're like, yeah, oh, wait a minute. It's, it's already Friday again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think um, 
because we do like elements of motion design, which is like my my job regularly. So we add in a lot of animation that adds an extra layer to the editing process. And it's just it, it takes a lot of time. So we're just trying to find a balance and trying to find the time for editing and and, and all that. But so yeah. far, it's been working. We've been doing that for the past like, I want to say six, six weeks. We've been doing a video a week. We're, we're trying to come out with one today. So after I get off this call, I have to do some editing. But sure. yeah, we have an interview with Andre Longarso. And oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're Great doing guy. part one of that today. And then yeah. part two of that next week. But he's an incredible guy. We got to speak to him when he was at AGA a few months ago. And man, like, Wow, he has some crazy life experience. You know, he knew Takashi Amano. He studied with Takashi Amano, and and yeah, he had a lot of really important things to say. Yeah, about, and yeah. he's 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 yeah. been in, been around a long time, and um, definitely uh, was there in the early days. Um, mm -hmm. I would first met those guys on my first trips to Japan way way back in the day, and. Um, He's been was really instrumental too in the development of the Brazilian style. You know, he's really kind of one yeah. of those one of those cornerstone figures in what's become a a widely recognized sort of official aquascaping category, uh, which yeah. I think is so so interesting that we've even that we that we that we even have such categories now. I think is is just really cool. And that we're at a time in the history of it where we can still know the people that were behind it is uh, is really neat. So yeah, I look forward to that that interview. He's just a really really sweet guy too. Just a great just a great person. Yeah, just he a great, was lovely. Just a great energy. Yeah, I definitely cried after the interview because <laughs> he really? he's just so touching and he was talking he about is. yeah um, yeah his experiences with just his family and like you know how important like wabi-sabi is to him and mm. just i won't give any spoilers because you need to watch it sure sure it's no, so good and he, yeah he's he's incredible really awesome yeah so um i know we also always see you really active at the aquashella i think you've been at if I'm not, you've been at every aquashella i think so far right I've been, I started going to the first one, I think it was Chicago 2021. Mm -hmm. And so there was like a few years that I didn't go when I wasn't really in the hobby. And I think COVID, they stopped them for a while. So I think I missed two, but I think I've been to everyone since then. And I intend to go to everyone going forward because it's just where I meet my friends and where I get to be super creative and it's, you know, it's, it's the most fun you've been there. It's so fun. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool yeah. event for sure. Um, so you got your start in marine tanks and then, but now yeah. that's really, it, you're still doing the macroalgae layouts. Yes. I have my macroalgae tank still. It's going well. It's going like, it's pretty strong you know i've had it established since i want to say february 2021 so it's been up for quite a while um it and i love it i love it so much it's it's the perfect balance between planted aquascaping and 
reef tanks. It's like yeah. the perfect medium where you can have like, where it feels like intentional, you know? Right. Whereas a reef tank doesn't feel to me um, as artistic, I think. Or it hadn't to me in the past, but maybe I maybe I just didn't explore that side of corals and stuff. I think things just grow differently and it's, you know, the blue light is different and right. Yeah. You don't have the, yeah. you don't need to have the, there's no particular reason for the more intense blue spectrum with a macroalgae tank, if I'm not mistaken. No, um, that's and more for the algaes that live within the tissues of the corals is more the emphasis on that. Um, it's more of a coral thing, the blue light. So, yeah. cause I'm even seeing some macroalgae, uh, scapers working with, you know, I've seen a Chihiros, just a, a straight up Chihiros vivid RGB over their yeah. macroalgae tank or using freshwater planted tank lighting. Um, and the, the macroalgae appear to be just fine with that. Um, would that be your experience too, that the, the spectrum yeah. situation, because people hear saltwater in there. I think a lot of people have the notion of that blue light or that look, uh, but it's not exactly. necessarily the case with the macros. No, macros so different. I again, I have a an ONF flat one plus above my macroalgae tank, and it has the blue light spectrum built in. But I mean, I've never used it, and they they seem to be very happy. Um, yeah, I've, I've literally never had any issues. The, I would say the the bigger thing is to fertilize and make sure that you're fertilizing. So I use what do like you use Brightwell. For that? Yeah, I use Brightwell Aquatics, Chato Grow, and Neofos. And um, yeah, I think those are the two that I use. But I think you can pretty much use any like all-in-one fertilizer for that, really. And um, yeah, they, do, like you could they actually, do really well. You feel like you could actually use, could you use like a, like a planted tank, freshwater fertilizers for that. Yeah. 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 And I've seen people use those. I'm pretty sure I want to say Tyler, his Instagram is Inland Reef and he's like the expert on macroalgae tanks. He's the one right. that I go to for all of the information on macroalgae and he's used uh, regular fertilizers like planted tank fertilizers for it. Cause it's the same thing. Like you're adding phosphates, you're adding nitrates into the tank. It's, it's essentially the exact same. So okay, I would, that's I wouldn't see there being any difference. That's that's interesting for sure. Yeah. That that kind of, it was I think it's still there's not a ton of focused info out there. It's definitely growing, but it's still something that's mm -hmm. a little. Uh, it's not centralized like aquascaping and other kinds of aquarium keeping is just yet. Um, I found just dabbling with it a little bit myself that it's th there. You know, it requires care like anything, but they're they're pretty easy. I mean, it's not. I, yeah, they're I not super super hard to grow. That I've had. I mean, I I think I set it up for myself to make it as easy as possible. So I used live rock that was already established for months and months. So I avoided that initial algae bloom, mm -hmm. um, and then you can add the algae like the macroalgae in right away, and it's essentially like a big refugium because it's a filter like the algaes you would the way that the stores usually sell macroalgae is to put in like a sump or something as a way of filtering out your water so 
that it, it cleans itself. I do a water change like once a month. Like it, it really, I don't really need to, to pay close attention to it at all. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I didn't, I didn't connect those dots actually until you said it just now that it does. There is almost a, how is it different from a refugium really in terms of at least the use of macroalgae in there uh, and the natural kind of uh, mm -hmm. scrubbing that that's doing uh, of the water. That's, that's a cool concept that I, I like that, that, that becomes sort of a selling point for it. Actually, I mean, that's something I think people have a hesitation because they're growing something. Anytime you're growing something in an aquarium, there's all this, this baggage that comes along with it in terms of your, just your thought process about it and this battle against algae and all the other things. Well, we're growing algae here. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. I haven't really had it. any issue. I have, I have the only thing I've struggled with is, red cyano at the bottom of the tank sometimes if i don't do a water change for a month and a half it'll appear but other than that i haven't had any issues and i think that's the reason because it it is in itself a big filter yeah yeah very and it, they don't require as intense a light source as i sort of imagined i mean you need lighting on there but it doesn't need no. to be really bright intense definitely not you know planted tank or reef aquarium level intensity I find is not necessary at all for them to do very well no and they're very hardy in my experience and yeah. you don't really especially I have this one it's called oh man I'm gonna butcher the name but it's pom-pom gracilera hay and you can put that in a plastic bag and I've done that before to leave it out for people that are coming to like pick some up from me and you can just leave it out for like two weeks in that plastic bag without a water change, without anything, just close that bag and it will be 100% fine. And yeah, so do macroalgae if you haven't, if that's, that is yeah. what I want yeah, to tell the world. I'd love to see more, more progression with it. We actually tried it uh, at the aquarium design store and cool. um, it, 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 I, it really, it wasn't, selling very well but i think that's just lack mm -hmm. of just people don't don't know about it now there was quite a few reef guys that would buy it for their sumps you know some of the reef keepers yeah. were, were or on to it you know for just something else to throw in a refugium um mm -hmm. yeah but the escaping side of it still is something i think people don't know enough and and your even my initial uh notion of it was going to be challenging it's probably not going to you know this is going to grow but that's not going to grow etc and um so far all the ones i've worked with have i mean i haven't had a problem i haven't done anything for them actually yeah. uh, they've done well so it's like anything there's probably just a bit of uh it's just information just the information needs to get out there yeah. more once once people know um because they're they're definitely the availability is going up and all of that i mean we were able to get tons of cool varieties and everything. I think just people look at it and aren't sure, you know what it, you know what it is. I, I really didn't do a dedicated display, uh, with it like mm. that. That's what that takes. I think that's always what that takes. Otherwise people are just yeah. seeing it in the holding tank unless they've already seen it online or something. It, it, they don't know what to make of it. Um, even if you did like a dedicated nano display with like tiny bits of it here and there, I think that would do wonders. People just need to see it. I get comments and messages all the time where people say like, what is that freshwater plant? 
And I'm like, this is a saltwater tank, like, and, and people don't realize that. And I'm, I'm trying to bridge that gap. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to bridge the gap between reef keeping and aquascaping because they're, and have reef keeping be aquascaping because there seems to be such a divide. And I don't think, yeah, there just doesn't need to be. There's so many similarities and, and yeah, I mean, you've bridged that divide in your gallery, but I think not a lot of people are. Yeah, it's 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 the biggest challenge that I've found with that, with making a more of taking more of a composition based approach to the mm-hmm. traditional reef tank uh, is the it needs its own sort of identity. And I don't know that it's quite gotten it hasn't gotten that in any kind of uh, replicatable way or any kind of like philosophical way like aquascaping did by all the different things. By the time we even know what aquascaping is. You know, Amano had given us a huge spectrum of possibilities based on kind of the same core principles. You know, the, mm-hmm. I, the idea of the aquarium having some kind of compositional philosophy going in um, and that that could actually be effective by being also very simple or uh, it could be it could be one species of plants. It could be two or three. You know, it, could, it didn't have to be elaborate to have a high degree of impact. And so the, 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 the problem I see with a reef tank, and I'm just curious if you agree from having, having done both and tried to take that compositional approach is the, the format. In other words, the way that you buy coral, for example, is, can be difficult to do just the thing that you want to do with it. And by that, I mean, like sometimes you need, you might need more than one of something. Um, that's kind of how the basic principles of aquascaping and freshwater work. You know, if there's some over on the left side, there's some over on the right side too, or, you know, there might be more on the left, but there's a little bit on the right also. It's just a very Mm -hmm. sort of primitive way of putting it, but kind of creating that Mm -hmm. balance. Whereas oftentimes in the reef aquarium, there's this sort of collection of corals or it's more, uh, well, I have one of those. And if I get another one, it's got variations to it that don't necessarily balance with the other one I have, or it's a more practical problem, like the base of the yeah, coral, on a the skeletal structure, it'll be yeah. different. It, or if it's, even if it's not a, even if it wasn't a frag, it would be, uh, you know, one has a, there's two inches of kind of skeletal base. And then you got this other mm-hmm. one that, that was cut. And it has only a half an inch and it's very flat and you're trying to work that into this rock structure and, um, or you see the thing too, where the, the rock structure is compositional, but now you have to start putting coral on it and kind of maintaining that throughout is a challenge. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I found. I tried to create a composition and then the second you put corals in and they have their own shapes you know it it muddies that and it doesn't it doesn't come across as clearly and so that's why i really was interested in in macroalgae because you can easily like stuff it into crevices you can shape it exactly like a it's a plant right it's you can't cut a coral you can't just shape it to the to the way you want you know it'll kill it so it's, yeah, or it's you very different. sometimes you can in a certain way, or but then you know it's 
there's a long period of recovery and, um, you know, if you've got a big leather coral and you quote unquote frag a piece of it off, you know, there's, there's a time for that, but it's, uh, it's just a, it's a different equation. And I think what happened was that the, the coral collecting side of it became the more the thing, uh, because it was just easier to acquire cool corals and enjoy them as a specimen. And the idea of maybe limiting the palette in the pursuit of making a composition was just sort of lost in the, in the, the reef keeping kind of just the, the culture, this, the, what was driving the availability and like how things are mm-hmm. presented in a retail store and all of that didn't, it's just a harder thing to, to translate. And that's why I think when you do see it, it's pretty cool. Like when you do see that where somebody took the intentional approach and it, and it worked, you know, it sort of hits in a different way, but it, maybe you found this to be true also where it sort of falls, it falls a little flat on the reef hobby. I find, uh, because now they seem to be sort of calibrated to look for, there's just, there's different markers for what an awesome reef aquarium is besides mm-hmm. the, the compositional approach. Um, yeah, I think it's, again, what you said, it's like a collector's hobby. And, and, and that was what I found too. Like I, you know, I, I had been reef keeping for 10 years and I didn't find the meditative elements like that. And, you know, there, it's just, it didn't feel the same to me. And again, it wasn't like the same goal I had in mind. I, I had the collector's mindset. I was like, look at this incredible coral that I have. Look at this amazing fish that I have. It wasn't about like the art behind it for me personally, but I know it can be for some people. I think there's just a bit of a, a disconnect in general. Yeah. Yeah. You get that, 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 that total underwater scene vibe, I think is what's, Mm -hmm so so attractive about the freshwater aquascaping approach what i call the nostalgic underwater mm-hmm. scene which is a term i completely mm. the use of the word nostalgic very much comes from that was translated but that was probably a pretty specifically translated word but it was um that is something amano wrote that reference to nostalgia um i i believe it's in one of the three nature aquarium world books um but there was this, when I thought nostalgia, wow, that's, that's really framing that thing that mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a literal scene. It's not a, it's not a biotope. You're not trying to recreate something specific, but rather just something that's kind of in the, in your, in your subconscious or just something that resonates when you see it, probably just, you know, from millions of years of humans being around water and water environments and just, just all of that. But that word nostalgia really, really kind of hits. And I think that that could speak to whatever that meditative thing Mm -hmm. is, you know, like maybe that's, it's tapping into something there that's, that's beyond kind of the, the thinking mind, you know? Um, Yeah. How you feel about that? Yeah, I know. I a hundred percent agree. I've heard you say that before. Um, and yeah, it, it speaks to me, uh, like again, on a meditative level and, and that, that I relate to that quite a bit. Um, 
I would love to see, yeah, you said that there's studies of people uh, yeah. looking at the plants and, and feeling meditative aspects. I would love to, I'm going back to the company I worked for. I think it would be really cool to, to wear the headband and be able to like see my brain and, and maybe do like a YouTube video or something on yeah. that to see kind of how I'm affected by that. Um, Cause yeah, that's exactly it. That's uh, a great idea. Underwater. That's, yeah. a, that's a really cool idea. I, I think more, more content like that, at least mixed yeah. in um, would be super useful. Yeah. That's one of those things there was uh, in the, it goes back. I mean, I can remember, you know, I would say even I've, clear memories from say late nineties, early two thousands, whatever. And people would send me that newspaper article or whatever back when people read the newspaper, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's how I would see, you know, even, that goes way back. You know, people would know obviously that, you know, I did aquarium installation, aquarium maintenance, this kind of stuff. And so um, I would see over the years, these different articles, sometimes from a local newspaper. And there again, that was somebody kind of sharing it with you. Um, Etc. where it was just something on aquariums kind of, it usually was something to do with why there's an aquarium in your dentist's office um, yeah. and all of that. And it would always go on to say that, you know, there was a, there was just a clear and pretty and well understood thing that happens. You know, I've always said, you know, you got a lot going on there. You've got, you know, there's water, there's life in the water. These, these, you know, be it the plants or, or whatever animals you have in there. I mean, the fish themselves are little, uh, isolations of, of life, you know, it's the, the, the character, the personality, all that kind of stuff, you know, the behaviors, everything. And so you got two very potent things there with the water and the life you bring in composition or like where it's sort of thoughtfully arranged and wow, what, a, what a combination. You know, I mean, what, a, what, it just makes sense, you know, that that would be something that resonates so much with people, you know, um, do, yeah. do you, are, do you have any interest in, uh, other, do you ever look at like cichlids or, um, even smaller, like tangy egan shell dwelling kind of fish, things like, you know, I mean, does, does any of that realm, uh, attract you or do you see any possibility there for escaping etc i i do i would love to have a cichlid like i i just don't have the room for it because they require sure. like bigger enclosures right generally but yeah. i mean yeah generally but i mean i've been really into like oddball fish mm -hmm. like indostomus paradoxus and crocodilus and uh like the clown killies and, and yeah. stuff like that. So I, I have those somewhere in Blackwater Scape. They hide, obviously, because you provide them with the appropriate environment and they burrow and they just eat the microorganisms and they don't really come out. But um, yeah, I'm really interested in those. Uh, I mean, I have, I don't know if this counts, but my pearl garamis, I absolutely adore. They are so friendly and, and vibrant and yeah. I have like, I'm really interested in, in fish and just keeping interesting species that kind of speak to me. Um, so I have like a community tank here. It's my 90p and it just has a bunch of different things in it. 
But again, with the saltwater side, I've always really been interested in keeping um, different kind of saltwater fish. So my my dream fish that I would love to have one day is a mandarin goby. Mm. Um, they're beautiful, but so cool. again, they require they require um, like an huge pod population and I don't think that I could give them that environment so I haven't been able to do that yet maybe if I have a bigger house but I do have some orange storm clownfish and um like a a blood shrimp and I love the the way that you know they I love how they interact with you and how friendly they are and they come up to you and the the blood shrimp will like come up to your hand and eat right from you and so I've always been interested in that and that's pretty much what drew me to reef keeping in the beginning as well. So, uh, and it's what keeps me in um, aquascaping as well. I love to create a habitat around those fish. That's mm. that's what really speaks to me. So for my, I have like a carnivorous paludarium and there's an alien beta fish in there. And I made it for that. Like I knew that I wanted to have those fish in there. I have um, a, I had a pair of beta albin marginata. The male died because they kept breeding and he just ha- was holding eggs for too long and I think he just starved to death. I would have I would have had to separate them, which I didn't just I just didn't have the knowledge, but now I do. Unfortunately, it was too late. But yeah, so I have the female in there and I I love her. So I I I'm a fish collector as well. Like I I collect pretty high end. <laughs> interesting fish yeah um yeah it's cool that uh, that's it, a part it, of it for you too yeah that's yeah it, it is a part of it for me it's it it's a different itch though like it's completely yeah. separate from the meditative it's that's more of like collector and um yeah just providing a, a great environment for them where they can thrive and yeah. and that's what is another element to my aquascaping is is what can i what can i put in there that will that will make those those animals the happiest. Well, even but, even yeah. that process is is, yeah. you know, it's different, but it's it's fun. It's uh, it's cool to you know wake up on a Saturday morning and know that you're going to go out looking for a certain fish, a certain thing. You know, that's a whole, it's a whole different exercise. It is definitely part part of the hobby that is uh, you know it's got its own sort of cool factor to it, or something that's still sort of inspiring or, yeah. or just fun. Um, it's, it's cool to explore that side as well. You mentioned your paludarium and, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that I've seen you doing a lot more of, uh, is the mm-hmm. small terrarium paludarium. Um, and yeah, you've got a real skill set with that. That's, you know, it, which is harder because I think it's not, you don't, see as many sort of examples of it out there. So we're still in a period where I think people are really coming up with kind of their own visions, their own ideas for it, you know, which is really cool. But uh, was that just kind of a natural extension of aquarium keeping and aquascaping in general for you? It's what started me in aquascaping. I, my oh, wow. first aquascape was Caledarium. Yeah, wow. it was the DOA H36 with the Wabikusa wall. And I got oh, yeah. it like... I was all in and I was like, okay, what's Wabikusa? Like, how can I figure this out? So I had the Wabikusa mats. I tied all the plants to the mats. You know, you put them on the wall, you arrange them in whatever composition you want. I, I would move them around actually, which was kind of cool. Like, um, 
And, and that's what I liked about it because I, I really wanted to engage with it and continue to engage with it. And that was a way that I felt like I could in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I started with paludariums and that's where my passion lies. I love the combination of terrestrial plants continuing into the water and, you know, immersed growth and, and just that, that union of, of underwater and above water is really interesting to me. And, um, I, you know, I have a new passion for carnivorous plants and to be able to incorporate that into a paludarium, which I don't think many people have done so far that I've seen is, it's an experiment and things have gone wrong, but most things have gone right because I did a lot of research and, um, yeah, I just want to continue making those and terrariums are, are similar in that way. And I think they're, they're easier to maintain. So it's kind of easier to have. And, and I have one terrarium, like my, my one terrarium that I started with was like this orchid terrarium. And I, went to Florida and I got a bunch of orchids and I was so excited. And I just recently put an inhabitant inhabitant in there. I put a jumping spider and she is loving it. And it's just, again, like it's so great to be able to provide a cool habitat for um, like an unconventional yeah. <laughs> little being. So yeah, I, I, and I'm making, I have a bunch of terrariums beside me right now that I'm actually going to take to a store to sell. Uh, yeah, I heard I you, you recently announced you've got a, a new little, little project, a little venture yeah, going yeah. on with the terrarium side. What, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, very little right now. I have, <laughs> I was able to get um, some aquariums. So I have about 15 aquariums right now. Uh, six of them are escaped. And I'm selling them to a store called Roehampton Orchids in Toronto. So that's kind of my business model right now, which is creating completed terrariums and selling them around the city of Toronto uh, with like local pickup in different stores. So I don't know if you know the store Planted Aquaria. It's an aquascaping store in Oakville. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. George did a demo there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, So they're going to have some of mine as well in there. Awesome. yeah, that's a very really that's exciting. a that's a that's a cool, interesting, clever way to do it. Um, I think is yeah. kind of the making them and then putting them in the stores makes the stores you know adds to their offerings. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of brings that dimension to them without them necessarily having to take that on initially themselves anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. Yeah. That's a great that's a great concept. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. So I also have like an online store with a bit of equipment that I'm going to start. So I have some DOA equipment and some ADA stuff that I have started stocking and I'm going to do terrarium kits. So, you know, it'll include some moss and some, you know, manzanita branches and, and some like soil or whatever you need for your orchids. I was going to use um, the tropical river soil, which is like the only cosmetic soil and is low in nutrients. So it's perfect for, um, orchids and carnivorous plants and and I'm just trying to educate people on like how they can make these themselves but also you know have my own out there as well no that's so helpful I think that's a great concept where people can know that whatever they're getting with it is going to work it's the right stuff because that, that's that was an obstacle for me for a long time was just not not being certain 
what the best combinations for things like substrates and all that, you know, were, and then mm. not always having the time to research all of that. And then, then going down the research rabbit hole of yeah. five different things that five different people are saying, that, which usually yeah. just means yeah. that it's not that crucial. It means there's a lot of different ways to do it and they yeah. probably all have their, their merits, but um, that's a great idea to really kind of give people real clear access to stuff that you're using your examples to show, Hey, this works. Um, it's a lot of, it's, it's my whole approach to all this stuff. So I love when, when I see that, that idea that I'm going to show you it working and then say, well, here's the recipe. Um, and that's just, I would say it'd be like if you were making a new dish, uh, and you're having a dinner party. So with a dinner party, it's, you don't want to be experimenting too much. You know, you sort of like, there's people coming over, you have guests, you want to serve them a nice meal. And yet you want to try and make something that you think would be amazing, but you've never made it before. Um, would you just guess how to make it? Uh, would you do random research at the last minute to see how to make it? Or might you go get a recipe and follow along? Wow. If you could even get a recipe from somebody who had made that dish, and you, you had already, you know, that's somebody, you know, or whatever, and you'd already enjoyed that dish and thought, wow, that would be an amazing thing to make for my dinner party. Um, how much closer you would get to it being an amazing dining experience. If you followed a known recipe versus guessing or experimenting, you know, all of which is fine and cool things can happen from those processes, but there's a, certain point at which I want to have a really predictable outcome uh, as opposed to going, well, I'm going to figure out how this works. And so I think yeah. it's, a, it's a, it's a big barrier to entry uh, in all the different aspects, terrariums, you know, aquascaping, marine tanks, ma all, aquarium keeping in general, you know, I think has, has a lot of that. Um, how did you come about? How, what were the initial sort of pointers for you when you, you're, you're keeping marine tanks. You see this possibility of freshwater and aquascaping, even terrarium, palladarium stuff. Um, was this just a YouTube sort of research or what, what gave you the confidence to go ahead and try it or go, okay, well, I know it gonna is, I know it at least requires X, uh, to do. What was that? Yeah. What was that sequence like for you? So, I mean, the sequence was seeing beautiful, aquascapes first and seeing beautiful paludariums first and then backtracking and saying how can i recreate this so i remember i think it was like on my explore page on instagram i saw someone his name is south bay aqua that's his instagram handle and i saw his doa h36 paludarium with a utricularia carpet and I was like, that is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I've never seen like a lawn underwater. How is that even possible? And then I, I, I didn't know about, you know, plant. I didn't know that aquariums could be planted to that degree. And I didn't understand how they could be planted to that degree and not be riddled with algae. And um, so then I, then I went into the YouTube rabbit hole. And I remember I came across George Farmer and I watched like, his, I remember going through like video one of his channel and then going all the way up to like his most recent stuff. And this was probably like five years ago that I started researching that. 
and then like slowly I built up I remember I wrote a list of all the equipment I would need I gave myself a budget because I was still a student so I couldn't afford ADA products like I didn't know so um, I got a job for like my first job out of university I was like I think I can buy these ADA products now and I had this big list and I went online and I purchased everything from the US because you can't get any of that stuff in Canada or couldn't at that time. So I spent a ton on import fees, but it was worth it because I needed to get my ADA products. Right. And um, yeah, to, because I just wanted to, I wanted to make it like my vision of this art piece. And to me, like that brand, um, gets it and you know when i discovered ada then i discovered takashi amano and then you know you go down that rabbit hole and once you go down that rabbit hole there's really no coming back um so but it was always paludariums that was always the first thing that i wanted to try um and so i did the utricularia carpet and that's the first thing that i did and it was successful and it lasted for like over a year and i don't know how i I, maybe it was beginner's luck, but I did, yeah, I just, I did a ton of research on that, and that's what got me into carnivorous plants and and everything, but, yeah. Really cool. Many the, rabbit tri- holes, many rabbit holes. <laughs> isn't that, that, isn't, that plant is technically carnivorous, right? It is, yeah. yeah. And but you don't have to actually... Unlocked. You don't actually feed it anything. There's, there's no. Uh, it doesn't work. It'll like that. eat the microorganisms in the water. Okay. Yeah, it has these things called bladders, and they're like these tiny little traps that they have, like at the end of their little structure. pieces of grass, yeah. whatever structure, and they'll trap microorganisms and dissolve them. Oh wow! Under the water and above the water, like you, you could spot feed them, but it would have to be. Yeah, like tiny, tiny microorganisms. Um, that's, I that's actually have. Gotta... Yeah, you got to try it. My my carnivorous paludarium is has a wall of utricularia, all different types of utricularia. So terrestrial utricularia, and graminifolia, which is their only like one of the only aquatic species, I believe. Yeah, which will grow, it, but it, so I mean, it grows, it grows well submersed or immersed or i mean it'll do it does both exactly yeah it does i both. have so little experience it, i think with it that grows plant. better immersed. yeah yeah it's it's i have so much experience with that plant it's been the past three years i pretty much every aquarium i've had and every paludarium i've had has had utricularia in it and and i i just love it so much i love the texture of it i love the color of it is yeah, there a core, i love how it grows uh sort of i mean i'm, I'm genuinely asking you because it's it's the reason i avoid it is because i tried it when it was like very 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 first available i mean it just showed up on the scene nobody really had much experience with it but you know maybe like probably tom Barr, somebody had grown it in some kind of way because he can grow anything and you're going oh my gosh wow what is that i gotta have that i gotta try that so um and it would grow, it would always start off well, and then every time, I mean, this happened enough times where I just said, well, I'm not messing with that anymore, but it would get kind of a, yeah. a, a brown ring. It was sort of, it was always like a circle. Of, it would just mm-hmm. sort of turn brown like it was dying in the middle, 
and, and then it would just spread out, you know? So if I had a carpet of it, I had gotten it to carpet and then out of the blue, here comes the brown ring, some kind of rot or something, and it would just rip through the whole, you know, it would just work its way from a small point to consuming all of it. Um, and then there was a few times where I just couldn't really get it going, but I think it's, I think how to keep it's become well-known. Is there any sort of takeaway tip or is there, am I overthinking it? Is there not anything all that special about <laughs> keeping it? Just I treat it like any other plant? Treat it like a carnivorous plant. So treat it in a, like it loves nutrient poor environments. So if you have okay. aqua soil, that's going to kill it over time because okay. it can't handle the high nutrient levels. Um, if you can, maybe that use... I definitely had it in aqua soil when it would, maybe that was, had something to do with the, this kind of mysterious yeah. look like a crop circle in there that would then expand out. Yeah. Um, so you don't keep I don't it know in soil. No, the first time I did, I did keep it in soil, but I did water changes with reverse osmosis water, like only reverse osmosis water, not remineralized. Ah. And I was only using the minerals from the soil itself. And I think that's okay. what saved me. Okay. But now I only use, I use pure reverse osmosis water for all of my paludariums okay. uh, that have the carnivorous plants because again, like, and, and orchids in them as well, because they need nutrient poor environments. Ah. Um, so yeah, I would really suggest using like, again, the Doa tropical river soil is a fantastic product. I really okay. recommend that planting it in that, or even planting it in like, you could even, I don't know if you could plant it in like cosmetic sand or something, cause it might be too thick, but like a mix of soil and sand or, or something like that. But there's like bog specific soils that you can get that are low in nutrients. But yeah, avoid aqua soil at all costs because over I time they'll like, just melt. Okay. I mean, I feel like I yeah. do see it used in some ADA layouts here, kind of in the modern era mm -hmm. um, where they've got it in soil. But, you know, ADA has that magic water there at the gallery in, in, in northern <laughs> Japan. <laughs> that might be I'm curious a contributing to factor. See, I don't know if... I'm curious to see if it's actually like their Amazonia aqua soil or whatever it is, but I know the longevity of the carpet, it will last longer if it's in a nutrient poor environment. Okay. For sure. And then yeah. I thought that was interesting. You mentioned just RO water, uh, mm -hmm. not, not, no, no GH booster, no remineralization in there. And that's, mm -mm. that would be the, so the primary water you're keeping in a palliadarium, it, mm -hmm. you're just using just straight RO. Straight RO, yeah. Is that for yeah reasons beyond the carnivorous plants? No, it, it's for the carnivorous plants because okay. the majority of like everything above the water in my carnivorous paludarium is carnivorous plants. I don't have plants below the surface okay. in in my small paludarium, so there's really no need sure. for it, like for for remineralized water. But in my 90P, I do half and half, so I'll do like remineralized water or partially remineralized water just with low minerals and you know my boost is flowering so i think it's it's doing i'm doing something right, right. Um, i do have some soil in the back of that tank but yeah it's just a, a delicate balance i would say sure. <laughs> and trial and error i yeah. take it you're you so you're not paying any real intensive attention to 
GH values or, you know, hardness. And I don't, I don't suspect there's a lot of water testing going on there. You're going off of kind of a general sense of what those plants need and, and just sort of adapting your approach from there. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think yeah. I've kind of learned what those plants needed over time and yeah, I've adapted to it and, and they're doing really well. Like all of my utricularia above the water or like on my wall is flowering and everything seems really happy. So it's, it's what works for me. I mean, yeah. it, it might work different for someone else. Do you, but, when yeah. you use RO water, I mean, these are just sort of uh, practical questions that I'm always curious about, you know, just how people, yeah. how people do their maintenance or how people work or, or what their kind of their setup looks like. So, uh, do you have R an RO water system there in your place or is that something that, oh, okay. <laughs> well, so, kind of, <laughs> I mean, my apartment again is so small and right. I don't really have a dedicated place for it. So I have like an RO unit and then I have an adapter ring and I set it up on my shower and I take the shower head down and I plug that into the shower and then I have five gallon jugs and I just fill the jugs. So I have four or five gallon jugs and I'll just go through those. What, what kind of, what's the nature of that RO system? So that's not something with, that's traditionally like tied into the plumbing and then you've got a vat and you're getting the cart, yeah. you know, is this like a, <laughs> One like of those four stage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it has like, yeah, four stage. It has like a membrane. I don't know. I don't know the logistics. Sure. But yeah. it's something that's worked for you is, is the takeaway. You've been in a small space and you've been able to have this access to RO water. Um, yeah. I'm I actually, used to get it delivered actually. Yeah. And I'm, it was quite expensive to get delivered. So I bought my own yeah. system. Right. Yeah. Or a lot of people, you know, we, we sell RO water, for example, people come in with their five gallon yeah. jugs. I, I just think that long-term that's not a great setup because, you know, how many years are you going to keep? <laughs> I mean, it's when you're, when it's new and you're excited about it and, and uh, you're enthusiastic, you, you want to go to the store, to the, to the fish store, right. you got to grab some water, but you're going to look at stuff anyway. Um, Right. After some time, though, you still loving your tanks and want to keep them well, but that routine can really get tiring. So, um, yeah, I yeah, may and, follow up with you and ask yeah. for maybe a, a a link or something of the unit that you're using. Um, yeah, and maybe yeah I can, can send that. Post too. post it in the description and all that sort of thing because that that to me that you're in a really small space like that and you're able to have that many uh, different layouts going and. I think RO water is just a big, big part of that, whether you're just using it straight or doing some GH adjustments or remineralization. And it could, I mm -hmm. think it's a big part of why a lot of people uh, struggle because the tap water supply where they're at is just, uh, even if it's sort of okay, the fluctuations can be such a huge problem. I've just learned that over the course of, you know, any given period of time, a municipal water supply may see quite a bit of adjustment for how much rain there's been. And it's just a huge spectrum of things that while they're not going to affect its ability to be safe to shower in or drink or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't drink it, but anyway, um, but it, how it's going to impact an aquarium is a whole different story. Um, so yeah, I'd be real curious to see what you got going there. And I think that's actually, that's, I, I love finding these little, hidden gems in these conversations 
things like that. Oh, okay. Oh, there's actually a portable one um, and something you can just use sort of on demand that'll give you the water that you're looking for anyway. Um, Because there's all kinds of water filter things out there, but they don't necessarily give us that aquarium quality or that that RO level water that, that we're seeking. Um, is that something you just found online? Yeah, and this one's pretty small. It's like, yeah, I just found it online. Um, I had it through my reef keeping days, actually, because obviously with, you know, re- like reef tanks, you need reverse osmosis water, and then you add in the salt. So I had that when I was in my old apartment as well, because uh, I was, I, w- I used to go to the store and get um, salt water and bring it up four flights of stairs, like every week I would do that, and that was too yeah. much so it just gets old. I got my own yeah. system but it's it's like this big it's pretty small i keep it in my closet most of the time and then i hook it up to my shower perfect I yeah to. i i'm I, yeah. yeah here i know I'm, I'm serious i'm geeking out on this thing right now <laughs> and i'm probably spending too much time on the portable ro but um i think it's one of those things it's like it's not the most exciting topic but it's you know it's a it's something that is a great facilitator of, of like consistency, which is the cornerstone of success with once you put a live plant in or near water, um, it's a different game than just having a fish tank with some rocks Mm -hmm. and some fish and some plastic things or whatever. And so these little things like being able to easily get our RO waters, I, I just think it's a big deal. It's something I'm, more and more kind of obsessed with right now is figuring out how, how do you get this to more people? Um, I so. think I'm a great example of that because of where I live and the space yeah. I live in, you know, um, I live in the middle of the city. I don't have access to a car and I live in a tiny apartment. So yeah. everything has to be portable. All my setups are nano except for like my 90, which was a big struggle getting that into this apartment. But yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, I'm a great example of like just scrappiness and, and trying to make things work in a tiny place. Yeah. yeah. Especially the, uh, Toronto is, I recently saw something on, it was something that was on the TV. I did just one of the things you stumbled into, but it was about Toronto and mm-hmm. uh, this, it sounds like an amazing city um, that yeah. is really uh, this just it is the definition of it. It's the true melting pot from what I understand. Like you just have so many different cultures. Uh, not a lot of, a lot of the people there aren't necessarily from there. You know, it's, a, it's been a destination cool. for, for yes. tons of people. Um, and so you just get a really interesting spectrum of, uh, of humanity there. So it just looked, it was, I was like really fascinated by the whole, and that was the whole take on this, sort of portrayal of Toronto was just the, the profound diversity um, of it and just kind of what it is to be a, I think it's Tor- Torontonian. Yeah. The, the <laughs> That's right. That's right. How's, yeah, the we, ho- we, how's the hobby there? How's the, how's the aquarium scene there? It's growing slowly. We have yeah. one dedicated aquascaping shop now, which is Planted Aquaria in Oakville. So it's out of the city, but... There are a few online shops that have been popping up here and there that sell um, aquascaping dedicated products now. Um, I have a lot of friends here in Toronto that are aquascapers. So I don't know if you... Have you met Vince? Maybe. Vince 
His Instagram is drinks and scapes. I know your brother met him, but I don't oh, know. Oh, right. Yeah, met. sure. Yeah, I know. Often, it, you know, often know people by their Instagram page. Sure. Yeah, he's he's one of my best friends. Um, we met just online through aquascaping and, you know, we've gone to Aquashella together and I go to his house all the time. We collaborate on tanks. And so there's a community of people that have been built up over the past, I would say, two years. I'd say there's probably about 10 of us that I really know well. We go to dinner sometimes and and we meet up and we yeah, collaborate on tanks and stuff. So it is it's growing, but it's still quite niche and quite small. So I think I want to be able to introduce more people to aquascaping myself and terrariums and stuff. So I think like my my store is going to be and my you know, selling of completed terrariums within stores is going to be a part of that. Hopefully, we'll see. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And there's going to be a website. Do you have any kind of, uh, are you ready to point yeah, anyone I'm, to I'm, that website I'm, just yet? Or I think so. When will this episode be out? Um, it, 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 it might be out today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a little behind since okay. because of the Heiko debacle, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's alexscapes.ca and I think it'll be ready later today i'm planning on launching and i'm going to make awesome. a post on instagram and and have and have it up and running so awesome yeah. wow that's exciting that's news good. definitely yeah. well alex this has been an awesome conversation it's been a real pleasure and um i'm excited about learning about this portable ro system for me <laughs> i'm geeking I'll out on the ro thing still no totally do but uh incredible story and you've you're just a you've got an immense amount of some of the most practical knowledge out there because of what you're doing there in your own home and the whole home studio sort of vibe that I think is really intriguing to a lot of people. Um, you know, you've just, you've, you've got that down and I think there's going to be a lot of interest in uh, anything you're doing that's sort of coming from your experience there and what, what you've been sharing with us here through this, uh, what I think is just one of the coolest stories and one of the most, uh, the, the journey itself is just something I think will resonate with a lot of people. So uh, thanks so much for chatting with me today. And um, I really thank look forward so to talking to you again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was great being on here. Thank you. Cool. So, so and I'll, I'll be sure and post all the links in the uh, description for you. And um, very best of luck with the new terrarium venture. And um, thank you. Yeah, look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, thank you so much, Jeff. Really All appreciate right, thanks, it. Alex. Take care. All right, bye.